Welcome to the podcast of Euless First United Methodist Church. Thank you for listening. We would love to have you worship with us in person. These messages come from our worship services Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11. We worship at 106 North Main Street in Euless, between Airport Freeway and Highway 10. May you feel the presence of God and may God bless you as you listen. Sometimes I try to do too much. We'll see how that goes today. Please pray with me. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight because you, God, are our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Today is Aldersgate Day, March 24th. This is the 282nd anniversary of John Wesley's Aldersgate experience. And so as Methodists, we celebrate that. But today is also Ascension Sunday. The day of the Ascension is 40 days after Easter, so it always falls on a Thursday, which is the, the past Thursday. And so then it's celebrated in worship on this Sunday. So how do we celebrate and honor Aldersgate Sunday and also Ascension Sunday. As I got to thinking about that this week, my mind went back to the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups ads. It's like, you got your chocolate on my peanut butter. You got your peanut butter on my chocolate. You got Aldersgate Day on my Ascension Sunday. You got Ascension Sunday all over my Aldersgate Day. But then when we taste them together, it's beautiful and delicious. So, Aldersgate Day, May 24th, 1738. John Wesley had not been back long from his missionary efforts in Georgia. He was 35 years old. He was a trained and ordained minister, but he felt like an utter failure. He'd gone to the colony of Georgia to be a missionary. And he said in his journal as he came home, I went to Georgia to convert the savages, excuse his language, I came home in need of conversion myself. On his trip home, the ship that he was on hit an incredible storm and Wesley found himself cowering in fear of death in the corner on the deck with most of the crew and many of the passengers, but there was this group, the Moravians, who were out at the mid part of the deck singing praises to God in the midst of a storm that for all they knew could take their lives. Well, it was these same Moravians who had a meeting on May 24th in this house on Aldersgate Street, and Wesley went. In his journal, he says, he went very unwillingly to Aldersgate Street, to the Society of Moravians meeting. Have you ever gone someplace very unwillingly? I mean, maybe you knew you should, maybe you hoped it would go well, but you really did not want to go. I think of times in my own life that I have done something very unwillingly, and I gotta tell you, I can be horribly stubborn in my refusal 
to let myself see anything different or feel anything differently. Once my mind's made up, man, this is the way it's going to be. But Wesley was not like that on that March, on that May 24th. No, Wesley went, he said in his journal, very unwillingly. He, he didn't want to be there. It was the last place he wanted to be yet. As someone read Martin Luther's preface to the Epistle of the Romans, Wesley wrote famously, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt like I trusted in God and God alone. And it made this incredible difference in his life from that day forward. It's Aldersgate Day. It's a day we celebrate this rich tradition of theology and of Christianity we live in that we believe and expect God to do great things in our lives and more than that because what God did at Aldersgate Day with Wesley was turn him in to this resource through which thousands or millions of people would come to know the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Wesley would found ministries and hospitals and schools and reach people who had nothing to do with the church and, frankly, with whom the church wanted nothing to do. Wesley took the good news of Jesus to them, many would say because of this encounter that he had on Aldersgate Street when he went very unwillingly. Sometimes God gets hold of us when we've been someplace very unwillingly, but we've actually gone. We've shown up and God takes our little willingness and makes all the difference in the world of it. And it's Ascension Day. As the reading in Acts chapter 1 references, this is the day on which we celebrate in worship that Jesus was with his disciples at the beginning of the book of Acts, and then he wasn't. He was taken up into a cloud which to all the original hearers of that and readers of that would not just have made them think up high in the sky where the clouds are, but it would have made them think of the cloud in which God led God's people out of slavery and out of Egypt. This would have taken them back to that cloud which, which descended over the Ark of the Covenant, which descended over the tabernacle, which huddled over the temple after the temple was built and which represented the very presence of God. So Jesus' ascension marked the transition of Jesus' physical body presence here on earth with people to Jesus' presence fully in the presence of God. Now you might know and you might think, well, Jesus is eternal with God. Of course, Jesus goes back to God's presence. But what the ascension wants us to know here is that Jesus didn't go away from his disciples to be fully in the presence of God. Jesus ascended to be fully in God's presence and in a sense remain with us here. The, the long tradition of Christian theologians read Jesus' ascension as the translation of Jesus from no longer being physically tangibly human but maintaining all of his humanness in the very presence of God. And it helps us to remember this, that in the scriptures, heaven is not a place far away in the sky where you go when you die. In the scriptures, 
heaven refers to the place, the space, the time when God's presence is undeniable, undeniable and fully with us. So heaven isn't something you wait for until you die. Heaven is knowing God's full, absolute presence here and now around you. Hence, Jesus teaching his disciples to pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus wasn't praying for us someday to get there. Jesus was teaching us to pray that we might experience the fullness of heaven, the fullness of God's presence here and now. And Jesus' ascension, his original disciples took to be the realization of that promise. So with the ascension, we can experience the presence of God here and now, not just sometime later after we die, which is exactly why it's a beautiful and glorious thing for us to celebrate Ascension Sunday on Aldersgate Day, because I'm convinced that what Wesley experienced when he went very unwillingly was he experienced the, the, the presence, the full presence of God's grace as he had not experienced it before. I'm sure he'd learned about it. I'm sure he'd studied it. He had probably even taught it, but he had not experienced it until that day when he went very unwillingly. And that changed his life. He had just enough willingness to go and God took that and changed a man and changed a nation and changed the world. Many historians have acknowledged that were it not for the Wesleyan revival in the Industrial Revolution era of England, England could well have had an incredibly bloody revolution like happened in France right across the channel, but England didn't because they had the social revolution that Wesley's ministries inspired. And you know as well as I do that Wesley's ministry and his influence didn't stop just in the nation of England, but it, he sent it across the pond with Asbury and Coke to plant the same ministry of reaching people's hearts with this good news of Jesus Christ in the colonies. And once they broke from the crown in the new nation of the United States. So Ascension Sunday is a perfect time for us to remember that Wesley's heart was strangely warmed when he went very unwillingly and that God can strangely warm your heart and my heart no matter how willing or unwilling we are. That God's grace can bring us in and change our lives as it changed Wesley's life. But there's a really important part of the story that I want to make sure you know because sometimes we read this as though Wow, if, if I'm going to be as faithful as Wesley, I have to do the kinds of things Wesley did. But see, that's exactly what Wesley unlearned, what Wesley left behind that evening on Aldersgate Street. Because up to that point, Wesley had spent his adult life as a follower of Jesus, trying to earn God's love, trying to do everything he could to be convinced that God loved him. He went to Georgia as a missionary to try to earn the love of God. And that night on Aldersgate Street, he finally opened his heart enough to realize the beauty of God's love is that it's not earned. It's just freely offered to us by God. It's freely yours. 
it's freely mine. And then when we allow, no matter how unwilling we might be at the start, when we allow God's love to get hold of us, it changes us. And we're no longer motivated to do all these things for God so that maybe someday we can have eternal life, that maybe someday God will let us into heaven. But now our motivation starts with the experience of having sensed heaven already, having felt the love of God deep inside us so that our hearts too are strangely warmed and our motivation flips. We're no longer trying to earn God's love. We're just trying to live out of the love of God that we have already found and received and felt. And here's a final point I want to make sure you know about Aldersgate Day because it's often referred to as Wesley's conversion experience. And it may well have been. I don't want to debate that, but I want you to know this about it. It happened in 1735, 1738, I'm sorry, and Wesley lived to 17. 91. He was 88 years old. And so here's more than 50 years of vibrant ministry after this experience. And he never once refers back to this experience for the rest of his life. This heartwarming event, this conversion, as we want to call it, Wesley never referred to it. He never preached this event. He never tried to get other people to have the same exact experience as he had. It changed him to change others, but not to try to make a cookie cutter of his own experience onto other people. So maybe you've had a heartwarming experience. Maybe you have come to know that God loves you deeply, not because of anything you've done. Maybe you have been inspired by God's deep love and grace and forgiveness to do things that you never could have imagined doing. And maybe your motivation is long since left behind a desire to earn God's love. And maybe you remember back to that experience where it all started. And maybe you have the expectation that that's what everybody else has to experience. I mean, if Wesley could have started um, selling tickets to get people to, to go to Aldersgate Street, he could have given free tickets. He could have had meetings on Aldersgate Street and read from Luther's epistle to the, Luther's introduction to the epistle on the Romans every day, wanting people to have the same experience he had, but he didn't. He went to share with them the love of God from the love of God that was now deep inside his heart. So Wesley wasn't trying to get people to have a similar experience that they could write in their journals about. He was trying to share with them the love of God that he finally received and accepted. And so I want to share with you as we close today's gospel reading. It's Jesus' prayer for his disciples in John chapter 17. Teresa read this earlier in the service, but I want to share it again. And I want to invite you to hear the words of this prayer and hear them as though Jesus is praying them for you, for us, for all of us that are gathered around this streaming service. And we may not even be watching it all at the same time, but if we are within earshot of these words of this worship time, then we are in some sense together. And we can hear these words of Jesus together to comfort and encourage us to do the kinds of things Jesus did, to do the kinds of things John Wesley did to rest in the grace of God that has brought heaven to us. Hear again these words of Jesus. 
When Jesus finished saying these things, John writes, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son so that the son can glorify you. You gave him authority over everyone so that he could give eternal life to everyone you gave him. This is eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. I have glorified you on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I shared with you before the world was created. I have revealed your name to the people you gave me from this world. They were yours and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. This is because I gave them the words that you gave me and they received them. They truly understood that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you gave me because they are yours. Everything that is mine is yours and everything that is yours is mine. I have been glorified in them. I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Even as I'm coming to you, Holy Father, watch over them in your name, the name you gave me, that they will be one just as we are one. Jesus is no longer in the world, but we are in the world. Jesus prays to the Father that we might be one, even as the Son and the Father are one. May you and I live deeply and richly into the grace of God that is offered freely and without cost to us. And may we live as one, that the world around us might see our love and want to come to know the God who has made this difference in us. Amen.